I am beyond excited to announce that I have partnered with Magimix for season eight of Crazy Sexy Food. Magimix is a family-owned business that has the amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances that are adored by chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. With their 30-year motor guarantee, these machines have always been built to last. They continue to be relevant as ever in the busy kitchen and make fantastic food processes that make your food go further and reduce food wastage. They are a godsend when it comes to batch cooking and using up leftovers. I use my Magimix every single day. If you're ready to step into the world of Magimix with a new food processor, blender, ice cream maker or any other bit of kit, then simply pop over to their website and use my exclusive code at checkout for a 15% discount. The code is MagimixCSF. Make it with Magimix. Hi and welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. I'm Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by one of the leading voices in African cuisine, Lorato Umar Shela, or just Lorato by trade. As a food writer, presenter and cook, Lorato's love of Africa and its glorious food has been the foundation of her career in the culinary world. In what started as cookery classes and supper clubs, Lorato has gone on to show the world how diverse, fresh, fragrant and delicious her continent's food is. Originating from West Africa, her take on jollof to the ever popular plantain recipes can finally be discovered in her new cookbook, Africana. As a massive West African food lover, I am very excited to talk about some of my favourite dishes and find out how hot Lorato can really go. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Hi. on. Welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Thank you. I <laughs> you were talking about me. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Who is she? Who, is, Who is she? I mean, we have to just say the fact that you work under basically one name, Lorato, you're kind of in like Beyonce territory. Well, if you say so. <laughs> I think take it, take it. I love it. I'm waiting to get to that moment. I think I've still got a bit more like time ahead of me, but I am just waiting for just, oh yeah, you're with Hannah, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, darling. <laughs> so I always start my chats with asking, what did you have for breakfast today? Ooh, a hot chocolate. That's it. <gasps> Very boring. Okay. But something and more exciting for lunch I'm looking forward to. What are you having? Jollof. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we may as well just, let's just get this out the way. So I have Lorato's new cookbook here. And I have spent 12 years being completely in love with uh, particularly Nigerian food. I had a boyfriend who was Nigerian who introduced me to the wonderful cuisine. And, or should I say actually his mum who was sort of making these things and sort of giving me the the good old uh, Nigerian Tupperware. Yeah. Like at one point my fridge was just like Tupperware on Tupperware. Was it ever ice cream? Um, like sometimes like yes, ice yes, cream yeah, tubs. Yeah, the yeah. old ice cream tubs. Oh <laughs> my God, yeah. I wonder why. That is proper African. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I, this is my second attempt at making jollof. So mm. I've served you some. Mm. I want you to try some. Mm. And I want you to tell me what you think. And I'm happy 
for criticism make it constructive i'm sensitive honestly it already looks the first tell of fantastic jollof is the look it's really rouge and okay. that deeply colored reddish orange yeah and then you can't miss the smell it's smoky <laughs> <laughs> it's this this is the type of jollof you walk past and you're like ah i gotta come back <laughs> so even without tasting it okay. and i'm not i'm not flattering you here okay oh, just no, no, the you facts. i'm loving this i can see little burnt bits which shows that you, you did smoke it yeah oh my goodness shall i taste yes please Uh-oh. here we go she's trying it she's tasting it she's nodding it's really good you know what i love about it it's fragrant it's smoky as the recipe intends yeah <laughs> and it's really spicy it's spicier than i would normally cook it so maybe you put <laughs> two scotch bonnets i might have i'm not a firecracker like most yeah. people would assume all nigerians love chili i think in my recipe i use half a scotch bonnet or one and i say you know i think put, this might be one and a half like, put, put more if you like because people will be like is that enough scotch bonnets but it's spicy jollof rice can take it it's it's yeah. lovely yeah Hannah. it's really really good oh my good. gosh Honestly, this is like the biggest dream come true. I feel like I've like, I've actually feel like I've made it. (laughs) I sort of of feel like this is something to add to my CV that I can make jollof, you know. It's it's, an accomplishment because it's not, it's it's an easy recipe for me because I've cooked it, I've made the mistakes, but a lot of people get it wrong. Yeah. Honestly, this is amazing. It's very, very, you can feed this to a Nigerian auntie. Okay. And, and you will get you will get oh god I'm getting shivers down <laughs> my spine I just yeah. oh my god it's funny I mean I still haven't cracked Iranian food but clearly I'm great with the whole Nigerians so that's all good oh, thanks so for that. as I mentioned this this recipe does come from the new book Africana which yes. is such an exciting book and I have to say although I'm not African or I'm you know I'm not from the continent or any of the countries it's so great to finally have a cookbook out there that is celebrating some of the cuisines that I think sort of get push to the side and don't get spoken about enough. So talk to me about the book. Um, the book is really, um, it's almost a book I wrote for myself, but not to be selfish. I did write the book for cooks across the world. It's a book that sort of celebrates African cooking in its entirety. Yeah. It was very difficult because I'm like, gosh, how many countries can I put in? How many, what I did is I made sure every single region is in the book. Um, it's really something that I personally didn't think, I don't think there's any other book on the shelves anywhere that's like it. Mm. Um, there are several African books, lovely books that celebrate individual, um, individual, um, regions, but I just felt I was always hungry for Africa as a whole, um, going on this adventure through travel, you know, travel and food through food and travel. And I just felt that I, I needed to write, uh, I needed to communicate this passion. I needed to share the recipes. A lot of the recipes that I already knew. Some were recipes from friends and family. Some were recipes that were really important and in, and sort of representative of different regions, but people just weren't talking about. Mm. And I just felt this was a book that I was really hungry and desperate to produce. Um, obviously, not being sure that of how people would take it, how Africans would take it, how the world would take it. Will they care? Do people really want this? Um, I think the main question was there was a big gap in the market and I thought this book can definitely fill that gap. And of course, apart from representing the recipes and the the, the regions, flavorful food, which I think is lacking. (laughs) No, totally. And that's kind of what we were talking about before we started recording is that one thing that can be said for African cuisine as a whole is that it does not lack 
flavor. Yeah. You know, it is really punching. And I think that's, it, I just think it's so exciting. And even uh, when I was going through it and sort of, you know, like dog earring the recipes that sounded <laughs> like good to me, it was like, my gosh, this is a, I don't know, a, a Senegalese uh, dish, or this is, you know, an Ethiopian dish. Things that perhaps I've never heard of before. Yeah. And how exciting that is. And that's okay. You know, yeah. if, if, if you're not from the region and you haven't really traveled, you don't really know people from the region and you don't know, that's okay. Yeah. It's not a crime, you know, yeah. not knowing. But You're I just, not expected to know yeah, every cuisine know, in the world. You can't right? know everything. That's yeah. why I felt particularly... Um, responsible i mean it's not my job to but i i personally felt a responsibility as an african as somebody who has traveled who has lived who loves the, the cuisine to just share what i know what mm. i'm learning and almost pick your interest to learn more if if you know if you enjoy the book then perhaps you might want to ask more questions travel more um enjoy more things even teach me some more yeah, things no, totally <laughs> so when you were sort of doing the research for some of the recipes or if maybe perhaps there were countries that you maybe not visited, where were you sort of like getting your inspirations from? So a lot of countries that I didn't have much relationships with, I reached out to some chefs. Oh, nice. um, I'd eaten lots of e Ethiopian and Eritrean food, but I actually reached out to an amazing chef in Australia who had been on TV a few times. She's doing her thing. She does lots of coffee ceremonies. So we had a Zoom, a lot lengthy Zoom chat where we had, a, you know, we talked about food, shared experiences. And I asked intricate questions for example i asked her i said do you make injera which is the ethiopian eritrean it's like a sourdough bread it's a okay. bread that they used to eat everything it's like their utensil mm. and i asked her do you make it you know at home and she says no i buy it from from the shops and that answered a, a very important question in the west we always want to be authentic and we try too hard sometimes to respect people's authenticity which is great it's it's a good mm. thing mm. but sometimes we overdo it sometimes you know trying to um, show that we can make everything from scratch. Who yeah. has time? If an Ethiopian buys Hainjera, who are you to bother? To suddenly now start making it at yeah. home. Yeah, of course, making it is great. Those traditions are celebrated in Africana. We celebrate, we, we highlight and celebrate the traditions, but also it's a very cookable book. If you don't have time to make injera for five days, <laughs> is that how long it takes? It takes a while, Gosh, you know, for, okay, for yeah. the for the you know for the starter to yeah, ferment. Yeah. Okay, I have a quick injera in my in in the book. <laughs> you know, I use the science of recipes and ingredients. I have a quick injera with vinegar. It gives you that sour taste if you want that. And if you do want the five day injera, yeah, I'm sure you can Google it mm. on YouTube. <laughs> but we just don't have time right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So so the, a lot of the recipes are are representative of real life how a real life African would approach these things, you know, in their normal day-to-day -day life, whether they live in Africa or they live abroad, um, just so that an outsider, like a, a foreigner, somebody who's foreign to this, these recipes can relate to it in an easier way as well. Absolutely. Oh, well, honestly, congratulations. And it's Thank just, you. it's a very good addition to my growing uh, collection of of cookbooks but honestly one that is sort of at the forefront at the moment oh, thank you. and also as, as we just said you know it's a really lovely education yeah. to actually try things you know obviously coming you know being half Iranian and you know I you know I love Middle Eastern food in general but it's just exciting to be trying something just as flavorful but completely different yeah, so I'm glad. well done I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to take it back we want I want to start at the beginning you were raised between West Africa and the UK I want you to kind of paint the picture of your childhood but sort of linking it back to the food what were you eating who was cooking you know what dishes remind you of your childhood sort of yeah give me the full story so my childhood was very much 
Lagos slash London, you know, back and forth. Winter would be definitely white, <laughs> a white winter. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, much of the year would be a warm, you know, warm, warm weather in Nigeria or here. And typical, a typical breakfast, I mean, not during the week, during the weekend, typical breakfast growing up was plantain, baked beans, sausage, eggs, a plantain fry up, if you would oh, have Oh, yes. <laughs> and when I say that to some people, even Nigerians, they're like, that's strange. And I'm like, but I just thought that was quite normal. Like, you know, everyone ate this food. So that's a typical breakfast growing up. Now I make it quicker in the oven. You know, I'd, I'd bake the plantains, chuck some sausages, peppers, and, you know, mm. bang it in the oven. Really like a, like quick. a tray bake. Like a tray of... bake with plantain. Exactly. What yeah. Great idea. <laughs> yeah. Really simple. You Love can chuck that. some beans in there yeah. um, and baked beans, you know, baked beans or, you know, beans from a can. So that was my typical childhood eating that and going back and forth. It was never really strange. It was just a marriage of cultures. Um, and I think my mother did that quite well. I never really felt like the other. And I think that's what helped me write this book, mm. even though it was a difficult book. I never really had that problem of feeling like I was out of place when I was in the UK. And then, of course, in Nigeria, I'm amongst my kin, the same color. Um, so I'm comfortable. But I, I'm just so happy that my childhood was not one where... Um, I really saw that I was different, mm -hmm. even though I, I was different in the UK. I started noticing that difference actually as an adult cooking and serving the food here when people started pointing out the difference. But um, yeah, as a child, you know, we always loved eating uh, communal meals, um, sharing food together. But I was also a very picky child. I hate pasta. <laughs> pasta? Actually, really? Why? I actually do not like pasta. Do you, so you still don't like pasta? I still don't eat pasta. I cook it all the time. I make fresh pasta. I can taste it, but I can't swallow pasta. I was in boarding school very young and a, a nun fed, force fed me pasta. Uh. So I had a manic episode. And since then, there's this... <laughs> Block. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I've revealed it now. I can't. I cannot actually swallow pasta. But <laughs> I mean, that's a fascinating fact. I mean, I, but, but you know, there was obviously some not to get too like deep, but there's obviously trauma. like a bit of trauma there. Yeah, yeah which also... you know, if it happens during childhood, like I probably have some trauma. To, that's probably why I don't eat butter because there's probably trauma oh, involved somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. So, so that that brings it really back to the kind of mother I had. She was very. We had freedom. So my brother loved what we call swallow. In Nigeria, it could be ebba, which is a cassava grain steamed. They look like polenta. It looks like polenta. Yeah. You cook it in hot water and it's like, you know, a nice dough. You eat it with soups, egusi stew, okra stews, um, okra soups. So my brother would very much eat that, which I would, as a, as a child, I called that stodge. But yeah. now <laughs> as I'm older, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm more romantic about my descriptions. While I loved rice curries tomato stews um you know curry based stews and sauces um so as a child i had freedom in in the, mm. in the same household we ate different things my brother could eat what he wanted i could eat what i wanted so growing up i became this cook who i love celebrating that freedom i don't insist that everyone must eat or like everything you don't have to like everything in my book just because i want you to love african cooking um so that freedom that sort of um, just having that that world of travel, you know, traveling, being in the UK often. And then my mom sent me to several different countries to live. <laughs> she sent us to Republic of Benin. We call it Republic du Benin. It's, uh, yes. it's next to Nigeria. It's a Francophone country. <laughs> so she shipped us off there to study. I remember her friends saying, how can you send your kids abroad? You're heartless. <laughs> Keep them close. But she knew what she was doing. She wanted me to spread my wings. 
Um, and there, obviously, I learned how to cook several different things. Hibiscus. I fell in love with hibiscus mm. in Vienna. A lot of hibiscus yes. in this book. <laughs> yes, I've seen it. You know, so my childhood was very, very much. It was a, a very formative period in my life that really made me who I am as a cook. As a cook, always searching for flavor, like as a greedy cook. But hugely, I mean, what a fascinating childhood. So where else were you sort of <laughs> sent off to? <laughs> well, so non-African, I have family in Holland. Okay. So we lived, you know, we always holidayed in, a lot of Christmases would be spent in Holland, New Year's in Holland. There's a recipe in the book that actually um, talks about that. Oli Bolin in, in, in Holland, it's like a donut. It's a drop donut with um, raisins and brown sugar and then in Nigeria, we have a, a, a donut called Puff Puffs. I know about Puff Puffs. So I merged, <laughs> I merged Ollie Bolin and Puff Puff because of my hate for something else. Um, Christmas pud- pudding. <laughs> I hate Christmas pudding. I can't I, stand I it. I hate Christmas pudding as well. I just wonder what, and yeah, I, I, I don't worry know that what it's it dangerous. You know, yeah. like, is this healthy? Yeah, no, it's awful. I yeah. hate it. That is fascinating. So <laughs> I'm, in, I, I'm kind of curious. I just want to go back to your time when you would be in the UK. Mm. Were you... In boarding school the whole time, or were you also at home with your mum, who I assume was the primary cook? At home with my mum. Between Nigeria and the UK, my mum was always the... So she was the primary cook, but she mainly cooked at the weekends because she had a business, she would Fine. travel. Okay. When we were in the UK, we were, she was, she, you know, would be home a lot with her, so she would cook often. And if you ever had, I assume, you know, you were young, perhaps you had friends come over... Were they, what was their reception towards the food that was being served at home? They loved it because it was plentiful and a lot more flavorful than wherever else they were coming (laughs) from. The food was plentiful because we do show, and I think it wasn't just something to do with my mum. Across the board, I've noticed that Africans love, I think it's common in in, in your culture as well, right? We love to feed people, mm. almost force feed. If you always. don't eat, it's yeah. anno- It's actually upsetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually insulting if you go to someone's house and, and you, refuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So you've got to, but that's interesting because my mom always fed us before we went out. So I don't know why she did that. <laughs> she always made sure we she were She wanted full. to make sure you were full. Yeah, I thought that's very strange. <laughs> then when we go out and then she's looking at us and she's like, oh, just have a little. I'm like, but I'm full. <laughs> but yeah, my friends loved coming to my home. It was full of food, um, lots of amazing options and also that freedom. Because yeah. in a lot of African homes, I've noticed some, well, sometimes, you know, the kids just have to sit back and perhaps they're fed what's available. But my mother allowed a lot of freedom. You could have as much as you wanted. I was allowed to put my hand in the pot, which in other homes that I went to, you're not, <laughs> as a child, you're not allowed to, but I was allowed in the kitchen. So yeah, food was plentiful. Food was amazing. Um, you know, taking food home. And I, I do these same things now when I have events. I try to make people take takeaways. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, you I know. love it. <laughs> You know, because it, it makes people happy when of they're course. fed. It doesn't mean that they're hungry or they're coming from a place where they haven't got any food. But it just shows that you love them, mm. you care, and, you know, it's almost, um, you want them to remember you as well. You know, when they go home and eat that jollof rice. Absolutely. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it always tastes a bit better the next day anyway, right? True, true. So that's why I, that's probably also why it tastes good because I made that yesterday. Ah, this so is... So it's been sitting. This it's is sort day of, old jollof. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. And I just nice. think it's always a bit tastier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I obviously do want to just have an actual conversation about Nigerian food just because I have had a connection to it in the past. And, you know, it's it's a very interesting cuisine for me because I think a lot of people, you know, jokes aside, do probably see it as like very spicy. You know, it's got a lot of scotch bonnets in, in its dishes, yeah. which obviously works for me, but I'm also aware that my threshold of spice is slight, <laughs> slightly abnormal to the average person. Um, 
But I guess what we have to talk about is the Jolov and the politics of Jolov that always makes me laugh. Yeah, it's because quite fun. It is because <laughs> there's that kind of like, because obviously Ghanaians have their Jolov. It's that sort of like, whose is better? I've, I've seen actual arguments happen amongst friends. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so talk to me about Nigerian food. And sort of what it's about and and I guess the influences of it. Just to point out, somebody just told me by looking at my jollof in a photo from my book launch party. And she said, that's Ghanaian jollof. So wow. I'll, I'll just leave that there. Oh, how did you deal with that? <laughs> I was like, I mean, I, that's a compliment. Because if I'm Nigerian cooking Nigerian jollof and you think that's Ghanaian jollof, then... I guess mine is the the best jollof because <laughs> it's the best. Because it's basically ones. all of them. Perfect. You know, Nigerian food is varied and wonderful. It's varied in its um, complexity, in its flavor, simply because the people are varied. The land is varied. The flavor profiles are varied. But even in that variation, there's some dishes that perhaps are you know uh, particular to one tribe, but the mm. whole country loves egusi soup, for example, which. To put it as plainly as possible is crushed pumpkin seeds. We call it melon seeds. So it's, it's, a, it's the creamy version of pumpkin seeds mm-hmm. crushed into a paste or sometimes ground into a powder, added to a nice broth with fish and chicken. And dishes like that are, you know, transcend culture. We love okra. Um, so oh, okra, I we call love, it okra soup. Yeah, I call it okra. <laughs> okra yeah, I soup. love okra. You know, we love okra. I particularly like mine a little bit crunchier, so I would chop it up and put it at the end. My mother likes grating her, so it's a little bit slimy. Oh. You know, so I, I don't like the slime. I like it chunky. Oh, I weirdly quite like it slimy. Yeah. I know that's something that really puts people off, the actual vegetable as a whole. There's an but Iranian I, dish. There is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so okra, things like okra, the soups, you know, the soups with the swallows, you know, that... The romance of sort of like picking the ebba and putting it in the in the soup. And I say that as if I eat like that. I actually use a fork. <laughs> my brother would be caught using his hands. I would always use a fork. Yeah. I'm just that child that didn't like eating with my hands. Um, so the, the soups and stews, you know, very heavy on peppers, red, sweet peppers, not necessarily hot peppers. Lots of chili. Nigerians mm. do like heat. But, you know, I'm Nigerian and my mother isn't particularly a firecracker she doesn't like it too hot so i I've love that up. you call me a firecracker <laughs> i actually love that <laughs> i'm gonna use that yeah yeah i got yeah so you know it's 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 you know we have that variation of food with lots of spices very bewitching spices lots of herbs you know we have our own type of um which is actually used in indonesia as well um, and i think thailand we have our african blue basil which is oh. very i say basil the basil basil which is very um, fragrant and almost like a mix of, you know, cinnamon and clove and just wonderful. So a mix of spices and chilies and peppers and just a wonderful cocktail of yeah. different recipes that I think, you know, make up the Nigerian cuisine. And, and, and a lot of our food transcends, you know, culture, transcends country. You know, it, you, you go to Ghana and they're drinking Chapman, which is in the book. It's a cocktail made with bitters, Angostura bitters. And um, what I would call a version of pomegranate molasses. Mm-hmm. Grenadine. Grenadine yeah, yeah, is yeah. pomegranate. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize, you know. And we would use, um, you know, some fizzy drinks, which I, I don't want to call the brand, the popular fizzy drinks, um, you, you know, to mix up this wonderful cocktail. Now in Ghana, they're drinking that. You know, you go to Togo, they're drinking the yeah. same thing. And it's just, I think there's something about Nigerians. I say we're everywhere. We're just like, you know, <laughs> we're everywhere. 
everywhere. You're like, a bit like Iranians, to like be honest. We were always bloody yeah. everywhere as well. We're just everywhere. Wherever we go, we take our food, our culture, yeah. our brilliance, and um, hospitality, um, which you know, go to any Nigerian home, you will be, you know, welcome like a, like a king. Yeah. You know, so the food, the food is, you know, vibrant and varied. You just have to experience it. And that's one thing I'm proud of Africana. I, I didn't shy away from putting those recipes that are more popular, like the jollof, which has done very well. It's, it's done great things for us, but beyond jollof, there's more, much more. Mm. Um, just yesterday I had a, a journalist I admire quite Felicity cloak. She, she, she cooked, um, my beans, slow cooked beans, or you can call it braised beans. And that's actually a dish that when I saw that picture, it did something to my heart because that's oh. what my mom weaned me on. Oh, that's wow. what I eat when I'm poorly. That's what I want to eat on my last day yeah. on earth. It's, you know, the Ghanaians call their version red, red, but I'm not Ghanaian, so I wouldn't call it red, red. And we cook it differently. Cook it with peppers, palm oil, crayfish. You know, if you don't want fish in it, I, I have a cheat with smoked paprika. Just a wonderful slow cooked bean dish with fried plantains and oh crispy God, red, <laughs> crispy yeah. onions. And I, I also, as we sort of, especially, I mean, obviously, a di completely different climate to Nigeria. But when you say some of these dishes, I'm thinking, gosh, we're coming in towards winter. winter. That's what I want to eat. It's very interesting Warming. you say that. It's very interesting you say that. Somebody asked me as well that a lot of these recipes are winter warmers, but they're not from wintry countries. Yeah, which is very interesting. We eat a lot of warming foods in that hot climate it's refreshing yeah yeah, yeah. no i mean it's great i mean my particular favorite dish is uh something called effel ah. which i know a lot of people won't know so you're i'm gonna allow you to describe it perfectly because it is honestly one of my favorite things in the world and i just sit there with the tupperware and i just eat it for so, I, I don't even bother oh. putting it into a bowl so the yorubas would say eforiro okay and it's a wonderful cocktail of greens and traditionally amaranth, which is not really grown in the UK for consumption. I think, I guess you can grow it and eat it, you know, if you, if you have a garden, you have space, but I don't, I've never seen amaranth in the shops or at the farmer's market sold. So I use, um, Swiss chard, um, a, a nice sturdy spinach, yeah. um, spring green. So Eforiro is greens, basically it's, you know, it's a, it's a bowl of greens, it can be quite spicy traditionally with lots of scotch bonnets. But it also has like, um, is it like these little dried prawns or it's fish? Got, it's got crayfish. That's what I love. It's got that very like umami taste yes, to it. It's got crayfish, lo lots of other things depending on the tribe. So where I'm from, I'm not Yoruba. So effort is a Yoruba term for, and that dish. Okay. So Yoruba is typically spicy. They love heat. Um, I'm My mother is from the South southwest south you know south of nigeria Akwaibom and Igbo tribes so Akwaibom is where my father's from and we're a minority my mom's one of the majority actually Igbo. but the way we cook that type of dish is a little bit different so we don't cook the greens for that long um we don't make it that spicy but then again individuals i'm sure there's some Igbos who like who are firecrackers <laughs> you know but come on to my tribe that's gonna be my tribe i'm called the firecracker, firecracker tribe. tribe yeah but that that dish i love the so in the book i call it braised greens with sweet peppers um and then in the description i mentioned effort um but in my family we wouldn't call it effort but that's what it is okay and that dish is really dear to me as well because mm. that's what i cook for my grandma when she had diabetes and oh. as a young teenager when i'd be back from boarding school um i'd you know spend some time with her at home and i would make her that that greens dish with um boiled on ripe plantains she was addicted to plantains as i am 
but uh, as a diabetic plantains has quite a, a high sugar starch you know sugar content you know sh- sugar content so the doctors would say use on ripe plantains instead uh, okay yeah, <laughs> i'm yeah. sure she shouldn't have eaten plantains at all yeah, yeah, but yeah. she couldn't she was like no i love my plantain so i'd make her boiled on ripe plantains and the greens and it was just you know so now i make the, that those greens almost every day it's always at home right that's going to be the next dish you're gonna make from the book. you asked me earlier what, what else am i making yeah. that's going to be it that, that's greens. this weekend yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna fast forward a little bit you ended up studying this is interesting for me you ended up studying economics at mm-hmm. university so i'd love to know at this point what you were wanting to do with your life so economics was um, my choice, which is unusual. Typically, Nigerian parents would be like, doctor, lawyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my mother was proud. You know, she thought economics, okay, maybe she'd be a banker or something. I wanted to work in development. Um, it was always something that I thought, you know, would be quite good. I'd, I'd always been interested in, develop, especially in Africa and developing developing countries. I don't like to call them developing countries, but, you know, just for reference. So I studied economics, hoping that, you know, I would learn about the world, how the markets work, and I could sort of go back and sort of work in international organizations like the UN or World Bank. My dream was to work for the World Bank. But along the line, I just got a little bit uh, disillusioned with the actual workings of such organizations. Not going to criticize them because a lot of people doing amazing work. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was just far too bureaucratic and elitist to an extent. So I lost, I fell, fell out of love with that type with you know working in that industry but I never really um forgot my passion for development so I fell into food um you know at university I was cooking I'd go to nice restaurants come back and cook in my flat and then I started falling into food as a sort of hobby slash career I went to Nigeria for a few years I got a job on television I had a restaurant it just started taking over my life (laughs) to the point where I just couldn't deny the fact that this was what I was meant to do. You know, when you start getting things and you're doing them so well, what, you know, what else is there? Yeah. So I fell into food, fell in love with it increasingly. You know, first it was TV show, then restaurant catering company. And then I came back to the UK and then I started doing supper clubs and at supper clubs, people would want to cook the recipes and say, can I, can I have your recipe? And I give them and I thought, huh, maybe I should teach them and then cookery school. And then I'm like, huh, you know, <laughs> what next? <laughs> it's amazing when you look back at these journeys, like in hindsight, because clearly that was, uh, you know, not to sound too sort of like fluffy, frilly or whatever, but that it must have been your destiny because I think so, you I know, it, so. it feels like you sort of decided not to go down the original path which is fine you know we're all allowed to sort of go all over the place that's what you know I've done that in my life but I guess it's just interesting that it's sort of just all fit into place in a sort of roundabout way too perfectly too perfectly yeah because f- first I had the a column in the newspaper writing about food but I'd intertwine it with like social issues and then I had a, I got a job with BBC World Service Trust, a job I applied for. And then at the same time, got a lease on a restaurant space for a pizzeria. Yeah, a pizzeria. Wow. Because I thought business decision in Nigeria, Nigerians love pizza, fast food. So I thought pizzeria would be amazing. A delivery service as well. At the time, there was no delivery service. And my competitors were Lebanese and the foreigners doing yeah. pizza. I thought I'll beat them at this. So I, I opened a pizzeria and then turned down the BBC job. So I, I was always straddling between media and food anyway. That's so interesting. <laughs> so, oh my God. So you must be a great pizza maker. Wow. Well. <laughs> 
I'm not bad. My, made, my other favorite food. We made pizza, pizza from scratch. So every day we'd make a big batch of dough, and people were always complaining that like, it's taking too long. We're like, because we have to, we have to, we have to roll your your pizza yeah. and pop it in the oven. But yeah, yeah. It's so it was always never far from me. I loved food. I loved the business of food. I loved teaching. I loved sharing. I, I guess the writing was always it was always coming, but I just never there was never a clear plan that I was going to write. But also, a book. looking back, I'm just trying to like imagine like all of these things that you've done like under the same umbrella industry. You've actually tried out every facet of the food world. Yes, which, you know you've done the restaurant, you've done the you've done the teaching, yeah. you've done hosting. Like you've literally, I've done it. Yeah, tried it all. So yeah. you've kind of now. I'm sure at this point, I'm probably just like speaking for you, but. <laughs> you're kind of you sort of know exactly what it is that you like doing that you feel maybe needs more work yeah. on perhaps where things are lacking in the industry like yeah. it's it's great yeah and I'm glad for those experiences my mother was very worried because restaurant I think I was in my early 20s and she was like you haven't lived you haven't worked you know and it's very stressful now people ask me are you going to open a restaurant and I say I will if I have a good if I have the right backing but I know that it's not as glamorous as people think it is it's a lot of hard work and a lot of money it is um, I mean yeah. obviously I speak to so many people who um are chefs or, or restaurateurs and people come, my friends come to me and they're like oh you know now you're in this world when are you going to open a restaurant it, i'm telling and this is my psa it's never going to happen i'm sorry because my greatest pleasure as i'm sure is yours is eating out i love eating out and trying food i don't want to take that away i actually my greatest pleasure is actually feeding people okay fine but but, the, but similar but, but in a wholesome way not in a chaotic way yeah so if i do have a restaurant it will i would need i would need a lot of help like i want people to i want i, I don't i don't want to lose that joy i just yeah it's just it's just too much but as you said like it's, it's, it's tough and it's, it's tough you but know people, people don't see that they no. just think oh you must want a restaurant i do want one but it has to be carefully yeah. planned and with the right backing everything done the right way and with lots of money to make well, sure that totally. you, you pay people the right way totally you know? and I actually that sort of like very nicely brings me into a, a conversation that I'm like thoroughly interested in which is that you know we're talking in 2022 um you know there's a lot going on in terms of diversity inclusion there's obviously a hell of a lot more that needs to be done yeah but in in bringing the conversation of African food to the table, no pun intended, you know, <laughs> there's definitely been, there's definitely been a surge in people's interest and knowledge of African food and also being able to try these kinds of cuisines. When I was growing up, honestly, the only African food that I could tell you that I tried was Moroccan yeah. because it was quite cool at the time in yeah. the early 2000s when people was, were cooking couscous and yeah. you know making a tagine. I mean, even honestly, the ignorance of me maybe at that point was like, I probably wouldn't even have considered Moroccan food to be African food, right? But nowadays you go down to Borough Market, you've got Ethiopian food stalls, where I live and there's lots of Eritrean restaurants yeah. talk to me about I guess the evolution of it and people's knowledge and want of yeah. wanting to Try. know more about yeah. these cuisines so sometimes when I see in magazines or in you know like timeouts I think it was uh Chisuru there's a uh, yes know, number one yes London restaurant yes. 
and that made me really happy but it's it's almost you know when you feel like uh well now now um nigerian restaurants ethiopian restaurants lots of african restaurants have always been dotted around the uk especially london they've always been there they haven't just suddenly appeared yeah but they were never the subject of the media's attention you know people gravitate towards you know where the the top journalist or you know what where you you know where people talk about i think social media has played a huge, huge. part Massive. in making people know what's out there you know fufu was trending like, <laughs> you know on tiktok and before then people were like oh my fufu what's that yeah you know people like me have known this food all my life it's nothing new but social media has been great of course there have been exceptional chefs who have been running supper clubs you know opening restaurants and some opening restaurants closer to the you know to the higher you know the to the, the to the hub of to the hu- hub yeah. of where you know yeah. food lovers are so i think there's an ecosystem that has been growing there have been the traditional restaurants thriving still thriving doing their own thing or, you know on the outskirts of the city then you have people opening more restaurants you have authors like me writing about the food you have journalists talking more about it and then you have people pushing it in the mainstream, which I'm doing with Africana as well, putting it on television, talking about it on radio. And I think we cannot ignore the black, li- the, the, the sort of um, the Black Lives Matter movement and all that that happened, you know, during the pandemic. All that, you know, the tragedies that happened in America and here. I think all that has raised this consciousness um, in all of us. So in people that were eating and cooking this food, perhaps more confidence to share mm. uh, and not just save it for themselves. You know, I, when I started doing supper clubs, people would ask me, tell me, you're so brave. Oh my God, you're so brave um, sharing this food. I'm like, why is that bravery? But then think about it from their point of view. It's something that people have always thought was bound to fail because it's a bit different. It's, mm. you know, not photographed properly. It's a mm. bit misunderstood. And for me, it was... I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think it's misunderstood. Or not understood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, or not understood. Not, you, it's definitely not understood. Yeah. I comp- yeah. couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. And that's that's the premise for Africana. And Africana, I literally hold your hand and say, let's go on this journey. Let's mm. go on holiday and discover. It's not preaching to you or it's, it's educative, but it's in a very soft and approachable, open way, pulls you in and allows you to form your opinion, allows you to sort of bloom into the recipes. Um, you know, so all these different things in this ecosystem, the restaurants, the chefs, TV, and then you have people, you know, the, the restaurant critics going to the restaurants, talking about it. Everything's happening in unison. Um, and of course, timing is everything. Of it seems to be our time. <laughs> of course. I mean, dare I ask you, if you had to choose, I mean, I sort of know what the answer is here before uh. I even ask the question, <laughs> but if you had to choose your favorite cuisine from Africa, what would you choose? I don't have a favorite cuisine. I just have favorite foods. Okay. Um, And it's very difficult because Africana is filled with all my favorites that my publisher could allow me in under 300 pages. (laughs) (laughs) Cuisine wise, I I really can't pick cuisine because I I like different things from different cuisines. The beans is my absolute uh, favorite. It's the, it's, I just love, and it might be an emotional attachment to it. It's just, this is what I, I, you know, I grew up. My mother fed life into me with those beans. And when I die, literally, that's the last thing I want to eat. That is your final meal. One of the worst times of my life when I had my tonsils taken out. 
I asked for beans, but really spicy, which is very strange because when you have your tonsils taking out, you're not, you're supposed to have ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and, not, and not chili. Maybe the chili was going to numb it, actually, possibly. It did something. I yeah. think I'm one of those people that likes pain. I, I quite enjoyed that. But yeah, the beans I love. I really love North African flavors, the floral essences of it, because it's very different from West African, which is more heat and um, uh, more sort of earthy, you know, flavors. Um, so across the board, I really love West African cooking. I love North African cooking. I love orange blossom mm. and honey and um, hibiscus. I've merged all of that together. So there's really no. It's it's a very hard question. I have no favorite. I just have that one favorite dish. <laughs> no, and I and I think also just going back to like what I mentioned, you know, for example gosh 10 years ago if you'd asked me you know have you ever tried Ethiopian food yeah. or would you even be able to describe it I'd literally say uh no mm, yeah because I don't know I don't know there's anywhere that I have I could find to go to and then you sort of go down to Borough Market and there's a really well-known guy there who has a food stall yeah and the food is fantastic and I'm not vegan by any stretch. I think most people know this about me by now. <laughs> but you know, it's very it, there's a lot of like vegan dishes yeah. in that cuisine. Yes. You know, so it's sort of open to everyone because I think perhaps a lot of people who don't know a lot about particularly even like Nigerian food, you know, it, they think that oh it's just all meat and fish heavy, you know. Yes. But actually you, you you can kind of work around it. But like Ethiopian food was an amazing discovery for me. It's wonderful, very flavorsome. Yeah. And then they do have the the tibs, you know, which is like a steak dish and they have like the raw meats as well. So it's the variety as well. And that's another thing that I point out in Africana. We have this joke in African events. We're like, oh, where's the meat? Because when (laughs) when I started running cookery classes in London, it was purely plant-based and people were shocked by that. They're like, really? African food? Because I wanted to challenge people. I'm like, we can make flavorful food yeah. without meat. Yeah. When you go home, I'm not vegan either. Yeah. When you go home, you can add whatever meat you want. You know, you can add, but I just wanted you to show you yeah. how your food can be amazing without meat. And that obviously attracted lots of vegans, vegetarians, people who wanted to eat healthy. Another thing with Africana is I didn't set out to write a healthy book, but the recipes are super healthy and super... Um, they're not as expensive as they sound, mm, you know, mm. they're, they're cost effective, which is actually perfect for especially what we're going through absolutely, now. Absolutely, absolutely. And also, I think, you know, as much as I I do eat meat, I do eat fish, um, it's also about uh, being wary of how much meat yeah. you are consuming. And, and it is something that I'm aware of. And I would happily eat vegetarian meals. I, I eat a lot of vegetarian meals. Yeah, and, can, I, and you've got some great ones in there. So yeah, there's lots of ways to substitute the fat as yeah. well because we need that rich fat in the oil. Exactly, egusi is one of those dishes. It's very rich in those the oils from the melon slash pumpkin seeds. Right, I need that's probably. I'm, I'm <laughs> not, I don't know why, but I feel nervous to make that dish. I don't know why. Just remember how you crack the jello. Okay, jolo. right. <laughs> just, I mean, this took two goes, but yeah, okay, all right. Just two. <laughs> well, the first one I was not serving to you. I, I don't know what I. Everything went wrong. And you know what you did wrong? You you literally disobeyed my. I, I, I literally disobeyed. I have to just say, there's something very important <laughs> that I have now learned about jollof rice. When they tell you to stir once and leave it, yeah. listen to them. Yeah, it does. It, it does work because they're. I was I did the cardinal sin <laughs> I came in after 20 minutes and was like oh this is looking a bit burnt and poured in a whole load more of water oh. anyway and whatever yeah. I still ate it but yeah. it just wasn't yeah. what I was my, used to my, my guidance really is <laughs> no, it, for it, a reason and honestly I have to say as like your unofficial recipe tester <laughs> it is it is to the recipe like the method is exactly 
it. Yeah. I like, tell you what to expect. Yeah, what, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely loved it. Before we sort of leave this conversation of sort of African African cuisine, what else do you think needs to be done to kind of bring it, you know, it is heading to the mainstream. Yeah, if, if not already. But what else do you think needs to be done? I think to help that ecosystem, one of the biggest questions people ask me, like on telly, they're like, oh, are the ingredients easy to find? I'm like, yeah, you know, even I if think they're quite easy. They're very to easy find. to I find. I mean, listen, we're, we are talking from London and I'm yeah, aware that, true. you know, we are very very spoiled yeah. with the, the diversity choice. and choice yeah. that we are around but yeah. yeah sorry i'm like trying to answer it for I, yourself no no you're no you're absolutely right but i think i think what people can do i think people i think we often think that we often allow people to tell us what to do if you like you know say you buy africana you love it and you want something from it you can't find plantain wherever you live just ask your green grocer. Does it matter if he doesn't have it? The more you ask for it, the more people they 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 literally stock what you need. Okay. I live in Sussex and I ship plantains around the country for my virtual cookery classes. My green grocer buys them for me because no he knows way. he knows I'm going to need 50 plantains and he will buy it. So your green grocer goes to a supplier to order food. If you want something, ask for it. Mm. And just as if you want something, if if Africana, you know, flies off the shelves and, you know, is in everyone's home. You know, you have the supermarkets now stocking, you know, this is how it works. Yeah. They will stock what you need. Totally. So the power is in our hands as cooks. So I think that ecosystem of helping to uh, provide, you know, the ingredients that you do need by asking really. And then if you ask your green grocer and he doesn't have it, he probably knows someone else that does sell it. And you, you won't believe that they sell that thing in your neighborhood, but it's there. Just ask. Or you're, Google. A, you're absolutely right. It's it, And I always bang on about this, but it's literally the proof is in the pudding because that's what Yotam Otolenghi did with Middle Eastern food. You know, People I are remember, cooking the dishes. Yeah, I remember growing up, obviously, I was growing up in an Iranian, half Iranian household. So I knew all of these spices and I knew where to get them from. There yeah. was like two places in London. Yeah. But now <laughs> I can go to my local Sainsbury's and they are selling things like sumac and... Um, uh, Zatar and yeah. things. A little bit that, meager though in the supermarket. Pardon? A little bit meager. I, I mean, yeah. very much so. But the point is, is it's that they're there. on the shelves, yeah. right? Yeah. And that was not happening, yeah. you know, even 15 years yeah. ago. So, so everything you know, takes time. Totally. Yeah. So at home, tell me what you're cooking. Like, what are your specialities when you just, when you're just cooking for yourself or for the family at home? So I'm really, for somebody who's a stickler and who really put a lot of science and intuitive knowledge into my, my book for recipes, I'm not a recipe follower. Okay. <laughs> I never really cook one recipe the same way. Uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people and it's, it's testament to how I grew up. You don't measure anything. You cook from the heart and, you know, and as you you taste it, you go ahead, you know, and it's like, oh, amazing, finish, (laughs) you know. So I'm not a recipe follower, but I do love to eat lots of greens. I love um, tender stem broccoli, the braised greens, beans. I love all kinds of beans. So I have lots of butter beans, um, Nigerian honey beans, brown beans, all kinds of beans, even baked beans from the can. I love baked beans. The particular brand is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I well, actually love baked beans. More too. brands available. Yeah, I love baked. I can't. So basically, when I have plantain and sausages and eggs, I have to have baked beans. It's incomplete and I'm ketchup as well. To, I'm going to go and pick up some plantains. I mean, I tried to go yesterday to get you some, but um, for, for to serve with the jollof. But for some reason, they didn't have any. But I, I know where else I need to go. But I, that's yeah. a delicious dish. Yeah. So plantains, uh, you know, with that fry up is amazing. Yeah. I I did it once. I think on my Instagram, people were like. <gasps> I didn't realize it's like people just don't you have to give them the idea they're like oh i can actually just 
have plantains in my fry up why not absolutely i had another dish where i did like a it's a, a, a medley of vegetables aubergines courgettes tomatoes peppers with plantains it's wonderful Delicious. so this is how i i'm a greedy i love flavor color so i just you know mix and match i love thai food i love you know ginger lemongrass fragrant dishes what food do you dislike pasta oh yeah yeah i don't know why i don't even know why i asked that question i, I think yeah pasta and it's not really a dislike it's a fear like it, i think i yeah. need to be hypnotized have you it. do you ever go to italy sometimes but i i would stick with pizza yeah okay fine yeah pasta i stay away from okay and believe me i know that pasta is nice yeah. It's not that I it's not that I think it's not yeah. nice. I know that it's wonderful. I've taught a pasta making class. So I know <laughs> I know it's lovely, but I just can't it's really I, I, there's a block. I have to I think I need hypnosis or like uh, what do you call it? I know things? I know yeah. someone. I um you can have some uh, acupuncture. acupuncture. Does that? I don't know. <laughs> acupuncture? I don't, I'm thinking I'm thinking about picking into therapy, but I don't know. But we'll yeah. see. <laughs> pasta is a, is a huge fair. I don't know what I think will happen, but pasta I don't really, yeah. Well, it, it's it's, just, it's come from that trauma. Yeah, I, I, yeah. There's so many things I don't like. I'm actually a picky eater. You okay. think I eat everything? I can't eat pe- nuts anymore. I developed a nut allergy after writing the book. No way. I went to Ghana and I was snacking on nuts like a crazy person, and I had a huge swelling on my neck, and I was like, oh okay, gosh. Yes, I have a nut See, allergy. look, she nearly had to die for this book, all right? Should I have said that? I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. We need to, when we have a reprint, put that at the back. She almost died. <laughs> so buy the book. Yeah. <laughs> what three items are always in your fridge? Ooh. Uh, oh, gosh, now I'm really obsessed with Nduya. You know, I'm God, working on this dish with, like, plantain croquettes with Nduya stuff oh, in the middle. Oh, hello. Nduya I'm obsessed with. Ketchup. I'm going to name more than three. That's okay. <laughs> Ketchup. Oh, my strawberry, my my um, smoky tomato and date jam that's in the book. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm addicted. I'm trying to kick like the popular ketchup brand out of the market. <laughs> so I made this jam that I think everyone has to make. I think that's the first thing everyone should make and just have it in your fridge. Okay. Eat it with things in Africana or anything else. Um, really wonderful, smoky, fragrant. Um, with It's with dates as well. So mm. smoky tomato and date ketchup jam well so i always have that in the fridge it's always there um and loads more things tahini i love tahini uh, i mean tahini we say tahini because that's the popular name but in african cooking we use a lot of sesame seeds and sesame paste for a lot of stews yeah. there's a fish and sesame paste dish in the book actually that uses tahini and then um yeah um so and lots of i really like chili oils like you do yeah too. i'm just checking if that was gonna come in at any point i like chili oils but i'm not a firecracker like you are you I have know. quite I've, the collection I, I, I mean i think i have a problem i don't know <laughs> it's something i'm dealing I with i can't have that many otherwise <laughs> they will um they will sort of go off there's a very very nice chili um chili oil dish in the book that's almost like a there's a dish in there's a condiment in ghana called shito okay i'll tell you i've been i've been told about this and Ah, apparently it's incredible it's very pungent yes is the recipe in the book so my version is more nigerian based which is not as fishy okay um so i need to make it no i i i I know what it is yeah so shito is really nice you can put it you can put it on like beans yeah perfect drizzle it on hummus yeah (laughs) that's all kinds of me when you are out and about where are some of your favorite restaurants to go to Oh, gosh, you put me on the spot here. Um, I really, really like Thai cooking. When I'm looking for flavorful food and, you know, there's no African restaurants about, I love Thai restaurants. Um, and I'm really one of those people who I like. 
I don't always look for the most popular place to eat. I t- I tried to sort of growing up, actually in university, I ate a lot in Wagamama. <laughs> <laughs> I used to buy Wagamama takeaway. Do you know what I have to say? I used to- I, I, it was around that time I think when Wagamama it was, was new. Like, it was new, but also Wagamama was the first sort of like high street chain that for, for me anyway that i remember it was like a thing on a saturday very approachable eating. very approachable it was even the style of eating sitting on benches yeah communal eating oh my god so it may I not mean, be the most fashionable place no, now but, but you know what i have a lot of love for that place i used to call in and say you know chicken cats <laughs> that's what we all, all used to have time. Chicken katsu with extra katsu sauce on the side. Yeah. Oh, there's a dish called the firecracker, actually. There is firecracker rice. Yeah. I used to have that as well. Because yeah. I lived, I lived just, <laughs> I lived just across the bridge, um, okay. opposite the IMAX. So I just walk across in Covent Garden. There was a yeah, Wagamama. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly. Yeah, so Wagamama delivery. I don't know. At the time, that must have been expensive though for a student. But yeah, Wagamama. I used to love that place. Takeaway. But now I really love. I love lots of Asian cooking. And I'm really enjoying the African restaurants popping up. I really like Akoko. It's yeah. in central London. That's really, I, I like the aesthetics of it as well. It just reminds me of, you know, of being in like an African, several different African countries with the earth, earthy um, aesthetics, the walls, the art. Um, I'd say people should try lots more African restaurants. Absolutely. I haven't been to Shisuru. So I went and it is absolutely fantastic. They had lots of nuts on the menu. So I think I... Now that I have a nut allergy, I can't, I can't remember. But I, it was honestly it was, one of the most yeah, delicious meals. And Jockey, who owns it, is the most wonderful human being. Incredibly It'll charismatic. Be to meet her. And yeah. she comes around and talks to you. And I think you know, for people that may also not know the cuisine, it's lovely to be able to like ask her questions as yeah. you're going along. But honestly, the food was brilliant. Oh, it, like every dish was standout. Oh, that's okay, <laughs> so I always finish my chats with my quick fire questions, which I'm going to start calling my unquick fire quick fire <laughs> questions. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Oh dear. Well, in Bena, there's a dish, I can't remember the name now, but it's made with goat's blood. I need to, gosh, the name, I can't remember the name. It's a stew made with goat's blood. Okay. So they drain the goat and they cook. It's a very rich, it tastes lovely, but I just thought it was weird. Um, and that's me not dissing the yeah, country. No, it's, it's just, just a, a, a different kind of meal. But then it's like, you know, the Scottish eat haggis. Yeah, true. So, yeah, so we're not that different. Um, the goat's blood dish was, for me, it was very, very different and shocking. <laughs> I need to find the name. I don't even know what yeah, to say. Yeah, goat's blood in Benin okay. Republic. Google it. Lovely. Yeah, okay. That, that. When I when I when I'm next there, yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> what has been your most memorable meal? The beans. The beans. Aww. Honestly, I can't. I can't shake it. It's just the 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 beans, the stewed beans in palm oil, and you know crayfish and plantain. Sometimes I put the plantains inside. Sometimes I fry the plantains separately. I can't think of anything that has topped that. Yeah. Honestly. Well, it's also like the beautiful emotions and memories that it brings you, right? Which I think is what food is all about. Yeah. Your jollof's pretty memorable. Oh, stop it. It's, honestly, it's really, really... Oh, I'm not joking. If you if you I serve just... this as a party and and claim that you're not Nigerian, nobody will believe you. It's honestly, very Honestly, I don't think you realize how happy oh, sh- you've made me. Should I take some of the compliment as well? Yeah, it's... I mean, obviously, <laughs> as, as the recipe creator... <laughs> But um, I, I think this could be one of the best moments of my life. I'm not sure, but it's definitely <laughs> up there. <laughs> right, a very important question. My favorite snack of all time is a packet mm. of crisps. What is your favorite flavor of crisps and why? Ooh, I'm a plain Jane. I like, I like 
Salt and black pepper. <laughs> okay. So we're talking like, I'm going to use a brand here. So we're talking like kettle chips, yeah. salt and black pepper. I really like. That's, but that's still got a good punch. It's really, but you know, I've started going for the baked one now. Is it okay. baked? Or yeah. Don't, is someone it, else was saying baked? this to me the other day. <laughs> no, I'm I sorry. Thought, I thought, let me try this baked chip. <laughs> you know? And then I was like, it's not, it's not terrible. I really like, uh, I really like the, there's an onion flavored. Is it? Uh, is this? There's an onion flavored crisp I tried lately that was not bad. It's just it left me a bit, you know, oniony. But <laughs> I mean, listen, you're talking to the person that has her um, pickled onion monster munch oh, in her on her celebration. On you can see it. <laughs> yeah, they're there. The onion flavored chips are quite nice, but I'm a really plain. I mean, I love plantain chips, which is love plantain chips, lightly spiced. Yeah, but yeah. But I mean, my pizza is always pepperoni and chili and extra cheese and now nduya but yeah yeah oh my god i love nduya always need that in the fridge what food i think i know the answer to this one as well what food sums up happiness for i'm so you? boring right I'm <laughs> it's gonna be the beans isn't it <laughs> the beans is but the beans the beans is more so it's happiness but it's like heartwarming i think maybe happiness more exuberance might be i love i love jollof and plantain I really, really enjoy um, puff puff. The puff puff in the book, the the Christmas pudding puff puff for me is fun, fun, fun. Um, you know, lots of dishes like my lamb. I did this mishui lamb with um, hibiscus and cumin salt. Oh, I wow. love, love, love that dish. So many dishes that you know. It, I really love my book. I, really, I, I really can do. tell. And you know what? That's great. It's good that you actually love what you've created. I, I really Seriously, love. so lots of. Di- I, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm a greedy eater for flavor, and I really put that in the book. So a lot of the things in the book make me happy mm, <laughs> so mm. it's like new experiences now so in, an, in another interview i won't just say beans <laughs> but ultimately beans that the beans is really we're, we're all gonna have to make this bean recipe now yeah. and with any beans that you have yeah, yeah no totally yeah. yeah final question live to eat or eat to live live to eat live to eat that's my girl <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh lorato this has been <laughs> Honestly, not only am I just so happy to sit down with you and pick your brain, but also just it's so interesting to hear the journey that you've been on. And I just think what you're doing for African cuisine as a whole is going to be so huge for the world because we need to be educated a lot more. And I do think we're slowly getting there, but with beautiful books like this, we will go a bit further. Thank you. I'm just one person. You know, I hope people... Well, you know what? It it, it, it can take one person, you know? So congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. thank you for making me the happiest girl in the world. I just want this interview to be over so I can (laughs) can finish the task. So she's been staring at She's been doing a little side eye. Did you catch me? I was like, I'm going to have to reheat it for you now. That's what a good jollof does. The the look of it and the smell, the the fragrance is really You're absolutely right, actually. You can taste it before you've actually tasted it. It. Yeah, yeah, it looks the part. It's oh, crazy, well. sexy jollof. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Until next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.